Hello, Royales with Cheese and 37 Dicks and all the ships at sea, and welcome to A Very Good Year, the movie podcast where we invite a guest to pick their favorite year of movies and gab at us all about that year. I'm your host, Jason Bailey, and across the mic and across the country from me is my co-host, Michael Hull. Our guest today is a terrific film writer and podcaster who co-hosts The King Cast, which is a deep dive into the work and adaptations of Stephen King. He has bylines at Fangoria, Empire Magazine, and Birth Movies Death, where he was a critic and editor. Folks, pour a nice tall drink. We're going to talk to Scott Wampler. Hey, Scott. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, oh, I'm, at, I'm very excited we finally worked this out. Yes, at long last. Um, and I guess, you know, first and foremost, congrats on the tremendous success of the King cast, which is a great show. Oh, well, thank you. Thank um, you. For anybody who's uh, schmucky enough to not be a listener, tell us a little bit about the show and, uh, and how it came to be. Well, um, the idea behind the show is that uh, Stephen King, as this sort of force in pop culture, has influenced, um, you know, uh, and not you know more than one generation. Right. But um, he's particularly influenced a number of creative types, artists, musicians, writers, directors. You know, you name it. Mm-hmm. And um, we sort of realized that this was something that a lot of people had in common. And wouldn't it be interesting to? talk to some of the people that were were fans of independently of Stephen King right about Stephen King right you know you never get to interview people about the shit that they're into it's always about what they're promoting or, or whatever mm-hmm. and um so that was sort of the backbone for it and uh the result is a show that sounds like uh three or more depending on the on the episode uh guests uh sitting around shooting the shit about uh, a particular Stephen King novel or short story or movie or TV series or lunchbox or poem <laughs> or deodorant stick or anything else that you can name that's ever had his name on it. Right. Um, and uh, we typically invite our guests to, you know, come to the table with a title that they want to talk about. We rarely assign out titles. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to hear what people are passionate about, whether it's a, in a good way or a bad way. And, um, <laughs> You know, uh, that's that's it, basically. Well, it's it's a lot of fun. And it is it has that, you know, we try to do that here as well. That that thing of like, you know, OK, well, let's promote the thing for a few minutes because that's why you're here. And then let's let's geek out about some shit that maybe you're not getting totally. to do on the rest of your promotional junket. Um, you called dibs on a big year for this show quite a while ago. So nicely done. Yeah. Um, what year did you want to talk about with us and why is this year so special to you? Uh, this is 94. Okay. Um, I would have been, um, 13 for the majority of this year, I okay. suppose. And this is the year where we're, one of the movies we're going to talk about, like right up front is the movie that single-handedly got me into movies. Yeah. Like I was an only child and, you know, I had friends and there were kids in the neighborhood that I played with, but um, my parents also were, you know, totally open to uh, just dropping me off at a movie theater for a few hours to see yep. stuff. And so when I was very young, you know, like 12 years old, it was not uncommon for me to just go to the movies and I would, you know, I would sneak into the R rated shit. And I of would, course, you know, um, I saw a ton of movies that way, but it, but, but this year 
is the one where I finally saw one where it changed the course of my life. So mm-hmm. this was immediately the, the year I wanted to talk about. Well, that's great. And I think most of our listeners will agree that seeing Milk Money is truly a life-changing <laughs> experience. It is. But before we get to that, uh, Mike is going to jaunt us through some of the amazing shit that was happening in the world around the movie theater where Scott Wampler was sneaking into R-rated movies. Here's Mike with Hashtag. January 1st, very beginning of the year, the NAFTA agreement comes online and the Zapatista movement starts in Mexico in protest. Let's fucking go. (laughs) Here we go. Yeah, people have been mad about NAFTA ever since, but never forget there's a leftist critique and it began that morning. Also in January, (laughs) Bill Clinton and Boris Yeltsin signed the Kremlin Accords and agreed to not have nukes pre-programmed to target each other's main population centers. Yeah. And, And so basically, like now the nukes are just sort of aimed to go into the ocean. Uh-huh. Um, so if we want to like hit Moscow, we have to tell it Moscow before it was just aimed at Moscow. Have you ever heard of the dead man's hand? Yeah. 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 Dead man's hand. So if everybody died, the nukes would just go off on their own. This Fun. is a very, very dangerous time. So shout out to Boris and Bill for getting that moving in February, a racist shitbag named Byron was convicted of the 1963 murder of civil rights leader Medgar Evers. Long overdue. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Which eventually became a, an immediately forgettable Rob Reiner movie. So there's your there's your film <laughs> connection. Yeah, forget about yeah. Fuck that guy. In April, Nirvana lead singer Kurt Cobain ate a shotgun slug, and now we have to listen to Dave Grohl songs instead of Kurt Cobain songs. Oof. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you could have come up with a with a crasser way to uh, to give us that item, Mike. But I mean, I guess credit for for finding it. Sure. <laughs> I mean, we went from one of the greatest songwriter of his generation to like yeah. a guy who makes pretty good movies. There we go. Uh, seems like a lovely person. I don't know why I have a talking shit on Dave Grohl. I don't either. I, he I seems don't, like a really nice he person. Does. Like he genuinely seems, good human being. He does. He really doing does. Doing good Mike. things in the world. He's and been a lot of a people lot. like He's his songs. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Turner Classic Movies. I'm Robert Osborne. I'm going to be your host right here as we present some of the best, the finest films ever made, 24 hours a day. We're going to be drawing not only from the great film libraries of MGM and Warner Brothers, but also from other outstanding film catalogs. So come join us and see not only great films and stars from the past, but also films from recent years featuring some of our newest and most watchable stars. April 14th, Turner Classic Movies debuts with an airing of, of course, Gone with the Wind. Yes. Shout out to TCM. Shout out to TCM. Um, they they they've also since started putting some disclaimers and explanations before their airings have gone with the wind. And uh, <laughs> shout out to that as well. Here's to growth. Yeah. Enjoy that we can loudly proclaim from the rooftops, free at last. These were the words Nelson Mandela, indeed most South Africans, hoped and struggled a lifetime to say. With only about half the votes counted, the result is undeniable. Nelson Mandela, freedom fighter, prisoner, conciliator, next president of South Africa. Now is the time for celebration, for South Africans to join together to celebrate the birth of democracy. Also in April, South Africa holds its first fully multiracial elections. Nelson Mandela was elected president and sworn in the following month. Which was later turned into a pretty fucking mediocre Clint Eastwood movie. Also in April, it was the beginning of the Rwandan genocide. And even though we keep saying never again, the world hasn't figured out that particular conflict like 
to the day that we're recording right now. That said, turned into a really good, uh, I want to say Terry George movie. Who directed Hotel Rwanda? I should have looked that up ahead of time. Good I don't movie. Know. Don Cheadle's in it. Don Cheadle, uh, uh, top top three Cheadle performance, I would say. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Terry George. That, probably, that, probably that year's best comedy. <laughs> Crasser than All my right. uh, than my Cobain bit. There we go. Yeah, I, it's, uh, that's, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you people. <laughs> It's a depressing fucking movie. It's a great movie, but it's depressing. Sure is. That's all I'm implying there. In May, the state of Illinois executed John Wayne Gacy. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Big round of applause for death, everybody. (laughs) Getting the job done in 94. Well, well done. He had so much left to give. In June, someone murdered O.J. Simpson's ex-wife, Nicole, and a guy named Ronald Goldman. Murder remains officially unsolved. Nobody knows. We don't know what it... Who... who, Unsolved mystery. Who knows? Who knows? There's no telling. He's still out there looking for the real killer, and I think that Mm -hmm. is... That is commendable. I do. It is. That's never... That joke's never... The day he dies, there's going to be a meme that says, oh, now he's looking for the real killer in hell. Like, that joke is never going to stop. No. Is there a golf course in hell? Because that's usually where he is. That's where he's looking. The finish to this bizarre case began with that picture you're looking at now. Roughly 18 police cars picking up Simpson's trail as he and another man, Al Cowling, rode along a Los Angeles freeway in that white Ford Bronco that you see in the center of the screen and that you see now turning into the driveway of O.J. Simpson's home. That's when the pursuit began to end. During the hour-long journey along the city's highways, the L.A. highways, Simpson was said to be seen riding in the back seat, holding a gun to his head. Also in June was the date June 17, 1994, and if you haven't seen the absolutely brilliant documentary film June 17, 1994, you should do yourself that favor as soon as possible. A terrific uh, uh, documentary from uh, from Mr. Brett Morgan, who recently did Moonrise Kingdom and has done all sorts, not Moonrise Kingdom, Shit, what's the David Bowie movie? It's not Moonrise Kingdom. Moon Age Daydream. <laughs> Moon Age Daydream. Look, they sound really fucking similar. That's all I'm they saying. They do. All right. They do. In July, a nerd named Jeff started an online bookstore called Amazon, and nobody could have predicted where that would end up. Jesus Christ. All right. Literally in space yep. is where. The answer mm-hmm. is literally in space. Mm-hmm. In August was Woodstock 94. Anybody remember that? Well, as I recall, right? That was that was well received. Yeah. yeah. Well, ninety four was good. Ninety nine was the one they had problems with. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. It did. It did. Yes. yeah. Ninety nine was the Durst year. Yes, uh, it sure was. Yeah. This year was just like everyone was like, "Oh, we could do this occasionally." And then after ninety nine, said, "We're never doing." That's this the thing. They got all yeah. that fucking false, false confidence after mm-hmm. ninety four, and they were like. Probably did a hundred million on pay per view on that shit. Right, Jesus Christ! All right, now I have to do a documentary called Woodstock '99: The Durst Year, <laughs> <laughs> the Durst Era. Yeah. In September, Bill Clinton signed a federal assault weapons ban, so we haven't had to deal with that shit ever since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, also in September, Andrew Wiles proved Fermat's last theorem, a mathematical theorem proposed by Pierre de Fermat in 1637 that went unsolved for 357 years. And this is a really cool story that okay. just would make a shitty movie. So nobody's <laughs> ever done it. No, I mean, hear, hear me out. What if the guy who solved it was a janitor at Harvard? <laughs> hear me out. If he's I'll in therapy, you might fuck around right. and get yourself a statue. I'll write it up. In November was the Republican Revolution when the world first became aware of Newt Gingrich. Boo! Ooh. 
objectively worse than Dave Grohl. Yep. I remember I remember when Newt Gingrich came on the scene because I remember my mom pulling me aside and saying, do you know who I saw on TV today? And I said, no. And she said, I saw a man and his name was Newt Gingrich. <laughs> what do you think of that? And I was like, I don't know what to think about that. That sounds made up. But I never fucking forgot that. And yeah. now that's what I associate that there clown shoe with. <laughs> Still sounds made up. Yeah, <laughs> Tim and Eric ass name. Uh, in December was the release of the first ever Sony PlayStation in Japan, and oh. the Netscape Navigator web browser came out. Big tech news from '94. Yeah, spent a fair amount of time on the ladder, at least in the 1990s. Uh, Scott, were you a Scott? Were you a Sony PlayStation guy? I was not. Ah. I, was not. I was a, a Nintendo Genesis boy. There and we go. I kind of stopped pretty much with the advent of the internet. I stopped paying attention to video games and didn't come back for because <laughs> there was porn to about look 15 at now. years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm I'm big into games, but like I took about 15 years away from it. The Netscape Navigator web browser would be the number one web browser in the world uh, until about 99. So mm-hmm. there's a good chance that yep. if you spend any time on the internet. You're yep. on that navigator, yeah. You know, well, we did have we had my family had Prodigy. Do you all remember mm-hmm. Prodigy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a two bit or maybe three bit uh, website. Yeah, you know, like GeoCities had a like a GeoCities site got a massive head injury, <laughs> and uh, we had that, and we had then we had AOL, which of course, was the real wave of the future. Of course, got got one of those uh, one of those install CDs out of uh, Entertainment Weekly. They were falling out of trees back they then. They were. They couldn't give they those. Were. They couldn't give enough of those things away. Yep. Yep. Yes, I had indeed. to email an AOL address recently, and I was like, "Do I have to get like a pick and a shovel? How, <laughs> how do you email an AOL address?" And I'm going to tell you something. Up until about, well, somewhat recently, anyway. Did you know that Quentin Tarantino had an AOL I email did address? Not. Oh my true. God! What was it? I don't know if I should say. You should no, because maybe it's. Now his, I'm just. No, I'll I'm tell just, you off air because I'm worried. Like it's like that's the same thing, but now it's at me.com or whatever, right, and then right. people are gonna hear. Oh my god! It's like red apple cigs at aol.com. Yeah. yeah. It turns out it's also his Reddit name, and we're about to. He's about <laughs> to be exposed for a lot of bad opinions. Bad Bunny was born in '94. Shout out to Puerto Rico. Shout out. Nice. Jackie O died in '94, but so did Richard Nixon. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> one for them and one for us, I guess. I Every cloud. Every Hall cloud. of Fame uh, race car driver Ayrton Senna. Mm-hmm. Hall of Fame douchebag Kim Il-sung. Bye. Runner Wilmo Rudolph. Soccer okay. player Andres Escobar. Does anybody remember what happened to Andres Escobar? I don't. It's a Colombian footballer. He's a professional. So the uh, we're going to we're gonna get to this, but there was a World Cup in 94, and during the game against the United States, Andres Escobar accidentally owned gold. Uh, kicked a, go- a ball into his own goal, oh, no. and uh, everybody in the world except his coach thinks he was killed in revenge for it uh, oh, when he no. got back to Colombia. So oh, Andres Escobar, no. <laughs> yeah, died in 1994 for really. I mean, like I love the World Cup, and that's a shit reason to murder a human being. That's not. There gonna, are some really good movies about joke, it, actually. Like, and then they descended on the field and killed him. And right when I was about to say that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. they they waited until he got home and they could catch him at a bar, but they sure the yeah. fuck did. Wow. Well, yeah. sure, you want to do it in private. Sure. I mean, they're not idiots. 
<laughs> Raul Julia passed in 94 oh, in much less suspicious circumstances. R.I.P. Jack Kirby, Cab Calloway, Cesar Romero, Dinah Shore, Burt Lancaster, Peter oh. Cushing, Jessica mm-hmm. Tandy. I know, some real talent, mm-hmm. right? Telly Savalas also. Mm-hmm. Uh, comedian Bill Hicks, mailman and king of misogynist shitbag poets Charles Bukowski. And finally, John Candy died in 94. R.I.P. Would have been a good book, man. It was was going to be a really good book. And this yeah. show is called A Very Good Year. Well, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Sports was insane. Let's see how fast I can talk. All right. Go. Dallas Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills 30-13 to win Super Bowl. MVP was Emmett Smith. It was the fourth consecutive Super Bowl appearance by the Bills and their fourth consecutive loss, <laughs> a record no one wants to claim. Losers. The West Coast Eagles won the 98th Australian Football League Premiership over Geelong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, baby. There was no World Series for the first time since 1904 because of a strike. Shout out to strikes for whatever reason. The Houston Rockets beat the Knicks to win the NBA Finals. George Foreman enjoying his best round of the fight here in round 10. There's a round. Forty-five-year-old George Foreman became boxing's oldest heavyweight champion when he knocked out Michael Moore. At the time, forty-five seemed much older than it does now. As you're reading this story, <laughs> okay, but 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 try to think about being the heavyweight champion of the world right now. Yeah, that I'm not even the heavyweight old. champion of my house. <laughs> Pakistan swept the board in field hockey. The New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup. Italy won the Men's World Volleyball League. And finally, there was a World Cup that went really well for everybody except Andres Escobar. (laughs) It was hosted by the United States, and Brazil made everyone else look fucking foolish for showing up. That's sports, and that's headlines. Thank you, Mike. Scott, you ready to do a top five? Yes, let's do it. Alrighty, so uh, so we talked before the show. We decided we're we're going to do kind of a random order. This is not ranked, except for the fact that the first movie we're going to talk about sort of informs everything else. Yes, as tipped early in the conversation. So, Scott Wampler, what is the first film on your top five for 1994? Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Miramax Films asks the question, what are two hitmen, one girlfriend, a boxer, and the secret suitcase have in common? That's a good question. The answer, they're all part of the most electrifying film of the year. John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, and Bruce Willis. You won't know the facts until you see the fiction. Pulp Fiction, rated R. Starts October 14th everywhere. Who'd have thunk? Um. Yeah. Um yeah. a real uh, a real obvious choice, but again this movie can't deny it. galvanized my ass at yeah. the time. Yeah. You know, I had I had seen enough movies where I was collecting movies. I had I knew who like some of the some people were, but I was, you know, I'm 13, you know, I'm right. still very very green in this, you know. Right. Very little knowledge, but but very hungry for knowledge. And um I knew what Reservoir Dogs was. Mm-hmm. I had seen that mm-hmm. um, uh, with a friend of mine who was a big movie geek. And 
we knew he had a new movie coming out and uh there was a lot of hype around it i right. remember you know i used to get an entertainment weekly oh yeah my house every oh, day. oh yeah or not every day that would be entertainment daily but <laughs> every week <laughs> yes. and um yeah, and uh, they I remember them pushing it pretty hard. They hyped the shit out of it. I mean, especially after it won yeah. can. Like, that was sort of like, oh, right. well, right. this could be a big fucking deal, this movie. Yeah, well, he was like, he was already kind of a cool fringe motherfucker when, right. after Reservoir Dogs, and then it was like, this is his follow-up movie, and now it's this epic scale thing with, mm-hmm. like, entwining storylines, and look, he's got, you know, like, big names in it, and... um uh, my parents were very permissible about what movies I saw at that age. Shout um, out, shout out to to permissive parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had already seen pretty objectionable shit in their presence by that point, but sure. every once in a while they would put their foot down, and um, I asked my parents if they would take me to see Pulp Fiction. They said no. I said why not? And they said, well, we heard it's very violent. And I uh-huh. said, what do you mean? And this is what my mother said. She said that she had heard on a talk show or something. Oh, God. And I have figured out what she was talking about since. Uh I think you will, too. But this is how she put it. She said, I heard there's a scene in this movie where John Travolta shoots a man in the face for sitting in the back of a car. And they laugh about it. And I was like, what? And, you know, the reality of the situation is, yes, John Travolta does shoot a man in the face who not, is sitting in the back of the car. Not because not, he is sitting in the not back of the car. Not for that crime. Certainly not. <laughs> right. No. right. Yeah. And, sh- and also, they aren't laughing about it. Jules and Vincent are not fucking laughing. In fact, no, they're pretty pissed. What, what she misunderstood is whoever was telling that story was talking about the audience laughing because it's mm. funny as fuck. It sure also, is. Um, so I immediately endeavored to sneak into this movie. Of course. And one day they announced that they were going furniture shopping uh, at this one end of town where I happened to, there was a, a shitty movie theater over there. And they're like, do you want to, you want us to drop you off at the theater to, to see something? They said, yeah, and, I'll, uh, I'll go see Milk Money. Yeah. Well, you know what I did? I, uh, I told, I looked at the paper and I compared times and, yeah. and running times. Oh yeah. And I, I went back to him and I said, yeah, I want to go see Forrest <laughs> Gump again. And they were like, and they go, uh, my parents were like, what? Like we saw that a few weeks ago and you didn't like it. And I was like, no, yeah, I want to, I was like, you know, I want to give it another chance. You know, yeah. everyone else says it's really cool. And yeah. you know, and, and so, um, they were like, all right. The thing was, um, Pulp Fiction is longer than Forrest Gump. Um, that that screening of... It, it, basically, I, I was going to have to miss the last 20 minutes of the movie. Oh, in, God. In order to do this. Oh, God. Yeah, but still. So I went to that theater. I walked in. I got my little concessions. And then I made a beeline to the wrong theater. And there were maybe... It was like me and like two other people in that room and sat there and just got my ass handed to me by... Yeah. Pulp Fiction and was drunk on movies by the time I like blundered out of that fucking auditorium and got back in the car with my folks. Mm-hmm. They're like, how was Forrest Gump? I was like, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It changed the way I see the world in cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Hanks, Robert Zemeckis, they really know how to put yeah. a fucking picture together. Um, okay. But did you see, did you just come late or did you, when did you see the last 20 minutes? Well, Pulp Fiction ended up running for a very long time. Sure did. Um, in theaters, if sure you did. remember. And mm-hmm. um, 
the next summer, in fact, or uh, yeah, I believe it was the next summer because I think this came out in October. It did. Or thereabouts. Yeah. Um, it, it, it played for basically a year at the dollar theater near my house. Yep. And once it moved there, a thing that my friends and I used to do was have all of our parents go drop us off at the dollar theater. And sometimes we'd hang out, smoke weed in the in the parking lot or drink in a car or fucking, mm-hmm. you know, just be fucking dirtbags, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'd actually go in and sneak into Pulp Fiction and watch it. Um, but I must have seen that movie a dozen or more times in the theater yeah. during that period. Yeah. And uh, so I had ample opportunity to see what I had missed, you know, to kind of put a bow on what I was saying earlier. Um, this while I was interested in movies before this, this is the one that blew open my mind and was like, you have to spend your life yeah. like learning about movies and seeing as many of these kind of movies as you yep. possibly can. And so, yep. you know, the, the other movies we're going to talk about today, uh, are movies. I don't know that I would have bothered with it, 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 even that quickly. It had it not been for Pulp Fiction. Well said, beautifully said. All right, then. Well, th- well, let's, let's talk about some of those then Scott Wampler. What is the second movie on your top five for 94? Well, I guess I'd go Shawshank on that. The Shawshank Redemption is riveting. It's my life! Don't you understand? My life! Get him out! The Shawshank Redemption is powerful. The Shawshank Redemption is a great film. I guess it comes down to a simple choice. On every man on this cell block question. Get busy living. Get busy dying. The Shawshank Redemption. Rated R. Now playing in select cities. Sneak preview Saturday night. A uh, a, a film uh, uh, adapted from a Stephen King novella. Yeah, and the best Stephen King movie, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, you know, even taking into account The Shining and Carrie and everything else, like Shawshank is, it's undeniable. People yeah. that don't even like movies love The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> you know, it's that fucking good. And, yeah. um, you know, it's it 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 kicked into it kicked a period. It kicked into being this period where they were kind of trying to go highfalutin with some of the King stuff. You sure. Know? Um, um, that didn't last for very long and it sort of lapsed back into ultimately like what had happened during the 90s. But you you had a, a, a pretty great run there of of movies and particularly anything that Frank Darabont was right. doing. This isn't necessarily the of the movies on my list. This isn't necessarily the second one I would put on, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of ranking these by best versus favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, it's it's a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. And I I remember seeing it opening weekend with my parents in a theater that had almost zero people in it. Mm -hmm. And then, yep, like, you know, it it fucking came hard. It came out hard at the Oscars, got nominated in like a shitload of categories and it was you know but it was up against pulp fiction it was up against forrest gump you know um it was that was a fucking wild year man yeah no i mean what what i really i really remember the fact that like when it came out at least in our market it opened the same weekend as pulp fiction so it just wasn't going to get any any of that attention you know we were we were a wide market you know so it broke wide the same weekend as fiction and gotcha. it was not going to catch any of that buzz. You know what I mean? Like it just got sort of yeah. cra- crowded out in terms of conversation. It was a movie and I'm sorry, I, 
you guys, I know I'm a broken record on this, but again, this used to be a thing where if a movie came out and disappointed theatrically, there were still opportunities for it to find an audience on home right. video on it might, it, they did another theatrical run after all those Oscar nominations came out. Mm-hmm. And then of course this became like the quintessential Sunday afternoon, you know, TNT movie. Like there were lots of chances for people to find this movie. Um, and they yes. did. And that, and in some ways, you know, in, in an at home sort of cozy uh, viewing experience, it, it really, it hits hard. It absolutely does. As somebody who spends a lot of time talking to people about Stephen King, how do you sort of make sense out of the fact that this is a Stephen King story? Because it's not, well, I don't think when, you know, you ask people like what they think of Stephen King's story. You this know, isn't, this is indirectly answering your question. <laughs> when, when Stephen King was, first came on the scene as an author, not a lot of respect. He was looked at as a, as an air, like an airplane novel kind of guy, a beach read guy, if that. Um, and... He was very self-deprecating for the first, I'm going to say, two decades of his career, um, constantly shit talking himself. I've, I've seen I've seen him refer to himself as the literary equivalent of a Big Mac and fries. I don't agree <laughs> with that. No. You know, there's no. certainly if you look at like some of his early fiction and particularly the short stories, which yeah. are, are collected and you can buy them in like Night Shift or Skeleton Crew. All those were written for titty mags. Yes. You know, so so they're all like, you know, it's all like EC comics level fucking right. horror stories. But but he has never stopped growing as a writer. In fact, I think he's only gotten better with time. Mm-hmm. And so eventually the critics that dismissed him were they retired from their positions and a new generation came to play that had grown up with them and could see the value in things like Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption or the body, which became stand by me or Dolores Claiborne or fucking misery or, you know, like on and on and on and on. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I think it's uncommon to, to talk to people these days who are like, Stephen King, that guy's like a fucking, you know, that kooky guy who writes scary stories. Now, you know, we all sort of have absorbed the idea, the reality that that King may be the great living American author right Right. now. He's the closest thing we have to Mark Twain, in my opinion. Um, So that's a good answer. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I've, I've I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours to think about to this. think about to formulate that. That's yeah. great. All right, Scott. Well, then, what is the number three movie for your 1994 top five? Um, I'm gonna go Nashborn Killers here. An Oliver Stone film, Mickey and Mallory, feared by thousands. Watched by millions. We're fighting. Can't stop fighting. Nobody can. Woody Harrelson, Juliette Lewis, Robert Downey Jr., and Tommy Lee Jones. What do you have to say to your fans? We ain't seen nothing yet. Natural Born Killers, rated R, starts Friday, August 26th at a theater near you. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Story by Quentin Tarantino, we should note. So there is. Indeed. There Indeed. is. Long since disowned. Um. Uh, yeah, borderline unrecognizable. Right. You know, you, you like character names and mm-hmm. very broad strokes are the same as his uh, the script that that he wrote. But yeah, um, very different. I think this movie is 
like the movie Oliver Stone had been building towards at that time. That's scans. You know, you look at you look at JFK and you see a lot of the DNA mm-hmm. of natural born killers in it. And, you know, um, well, just to just to move this along, it's I think that movie has not lost an ounce of its power. Mm-hmm. I, I watched it within the last six months or so for another podcast, mm-hmm. you know, guest spot. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it still strikes me as this incredibly sinister piece of work mm-hmm. to have come from a major studio. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the uh, I love Mallory sequence. It's mm-hmm. sort of, you know, it's what it's communicating to the audience is, hey, this this 15 year old girl is being molested by her dad, who's played by Rodney Dangerfield. Mm hmm. Um, and it's presented as a sitcom. There's a fucking laugh track on it. I mean, sure it is, is a nightmarish movie through mm-hmm. and through and through from the editing to the the performances to, you know, the subject matter. Um, I think this is like a uh, one of the primal howls of the studio system in the in the 1990s. There's yeah. there's very few other films in the 90s that I think go this hard and are so powerful that they 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 debatedly um inspired real life crimes Mm -hmm. up to and including murder Mm -hmm. you know they were debated this movie was debated in court as to whether or not it was you know um should be legal you know i it's it's crazy it's I think of Natural Born Killers and maybe I'm associating it with Trent Reznor because I know he did the score Mm -hmm. or the Mm -hmm. soundtrack but um i i think about like if you go back and listen to 9 inch nails the downward spiral which is a 1994 album by the mm-hmm. way um uh, that thing is will still knock you on your fucking ass if you are having a wrong day mm-hmm. if you are not emotionally prepared for it yeah uh, there's there's th- that kind of power is what i i find simmering underneath the surface of natural born killers yeah no and i mean and i think it's also sort of a testament to uh to the the cachet that stone had accumulated by then i don't know that there were a lot of other filmmakers who could have gotten away with making that movie for a major studio except for someone like him who had Mm -hmm. racked up the sort of resume that he had at that point and we were actually we were talking about this on the after show the other night that like the run that this dude is on you know from like uh you know Born on the 4th of July in 89. Yeah. Doors yeah. and JFK in 91. Uh, Heaven and Earth 94. That's, so That's incredible. That's insane. Uh, yeah. Oh, and when I when I was researching the aforementioned John Candy book that I'm never going to write, like I I saw his call sheets for JFK. They were shooting that movie in July of 91. It came out in December. Like a That's movie. fucking like. A, a three hour movie edited with that kind of intensity they were in post for like six months um so he goes he he follows that with heaven and earth then this then nixon the next year like this dude was on one in the early 90s yeah i agree i i think it's a shame what's happened to him yeah i don't i don't respect oliver stone anymore and i i i think that's a bummer um, how are you? How are you cynical about everything on Earth except Vladimir Putin? That just yes, seems like exactly. a very odd <laughs> thing to decide to not be cynical about. 
Like, how are you suddenly credulous about this motherfucker? Like, right. It's clown shit. Yes. I have to assume that he's just lost his fucking mind. Yeah. You maybe. know? Maybe I, I mean, little. which is entirely possible. It's, it's all over fucking stone we're talking about. Yeah. But yeah. just as a, like, kind of a side note, I'm real curious. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. Do you like U-Turn? I love U-Turn. Oh, fucking thank Christ. I, I love. I love that movie. <laughs> through and through no one i know likes fucking nasty grimy uh fucking like Mm -hmm. who who else does the run we just talked about and then says yeah i want to make like a sweaty desert b movie where you hate everyone in it (laughs) good good for you yeah good for you oliver stone man i wish i wish that was i wish that was more readily available to stream because i think I think it. I think that's the kind of movie that could have a second life if people discovered it. I agree. I 100% so mean spirited. Yes, it is. Uh, all right, uh, Scott Wampler. What would you say would be the fourth movie on a top five list for '94? Uh, I'm gonna go Clerks here. There we go. This job would be great if it wasn't for the customers. You have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. What do you mean there's no ice? You mean I gotta drink this coffee hot? Miramax Films is proud to present an outrageous new look at the over-the-counter culture. You think anybody can see us down here? Why? Do you wanna have sex or something? Can we? Clicks. Just because they serve you doesn't mean they like you. You hate people, but I love gatherings. Isn't it ironic? Rated it off. Now playing at Select Theatre. Another filmmaker who uh, who who uh, still inspires some divisiveness. Sure. Yeah, you know, um, I got into it pretty publicly with Kevin Smith some mm. years ago on mm. on Twitter. We we had a very unfortunate uh, back and forth. He didn't mm-hmm. like something that one of our writers had written, and sure, um, I felt inclined to step up to the plate and mm-hmm. sort of correct uh, the yeah like i don't mean it to sound this way but the bullshit that he was saying yeah like he was he was just factually wrong about more than one thing and i i wanted to correct the record and also tell him like and what i'll tell you now is that when when i saw clerks at this age mm-hmm. this was the funniest motherfucking thing i'd ever seen in my life i sure. could not believe it yeah we my my buddies and i uh we had multiple bootlegs of this thing that we just passed around to everybody mm-hmm. um I once got summoned to my friend Jennifer's house by her parents oh, no. who had found a copy of the tape and told oh, me no. it was pornography. <laughs> um, that I wasn't until Clerks 3. <laughs> <laughs> I, you'll not be surprised to learn that I didn't see that one. Mm. Um, but I, I spent a great deal of my early movie-going uh, life, like yep. my serious movie going life, you know, really loving Kevin Smith. And Same. I, and I still like that guy. I like him as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't particularly like the movies that he makes. Um, and I've got all kinds of notes on those. <laughs> um, and I don't like how he behaved when, uh, mm-hmm. when we had that little meltdown, mm-hmm. you know, via mm-hmm. emails and yep. threatening to sue us and what have you. Oh my. Um, but, but I um but I do like the guy despite all that. He's right. just he's just a likable motherfucker and I do think he's like one of a, like one of our breed, one of our tribe who made good and this is just his particular brand of thing. Yeah. I um and I I still love Clerks, the original I Clerks. I do too. Yeah. I have it's, such a vivid great. memory of the fact that it played the trailer for that 
played ahead of Pulp Fiction. Like, yes, it, it came yes. out like about a month later. They were both Miramax releases. So like that was sort of how everybody became aware of this, you know, this cheap ass movie that, you know, looked like it was shot in an ashtray, but that had yeah. such a singular voice, such a such a comedic energy to it um, that the characters were all recognizable and yes. and and really a movie you know occasionally an indie movie comes along where like it's it it's not the rough edges become sort of what defines it rather than something that works against it absolutely absolutely and just i really cannot overstate how how much the dialogue in that movie sounded like the conversations my friends and i had yeah it's you and you that's that's nearly impossible to to put on screen. Yeah. Screenwriters year in year out fail to do that. Yeah. Every fucking weekend at the box office, you know, <laughs> and and somehow this this guy from New Jersey like captured the the voice of a, a youth culture at that time and it's it's an all-timer to me that movie. Whatever you think about Smith now and yep. I, Lord knows I have my opinions, but yep. you know, it's it's undeniable that movie. Yep. Just out of curiosity, what was the what was the last new Smith film that you saw? <sighs> I tapped out after. I know. I, I that was me. I saw I saw Tusk at Fantastic Fest and uh -huh. um, when it premiered that year, yeah, and saw the audience reaction to that, which was not great. Yeah. Um, but I pushed on. Yeah. I soldiered forth somehow. You, you saw Yoga Hosers, did you? I saw 20 minutes of Yoga Hosers, and that's a, where I tapped out. <laughs> I haven't seen anything since. I don't know what he's made since. Um, I wish, like, I, I don't like clowning on Kevin I Smith. Know, you know, I he's, know what you uh, mean. You know, I, I, feel like, mm -hmm. I feel like he just listened a little bit to what the, the critiques of his work were, mm -hmm. like from actual critics. Mm -hmm. I think he could have grown as a filmmaker. Absolutely. And I think he dug in his feel, heels and, and said, no, this is, this is how I want to do it. And there's an audience for it. He's yeah. right. There is an audience for that. It's just, I'm not a part of that audience. Yeah. And it's, and it's an audience that is stagnant. The, like he's never, he, there, there's no one's going to come to Kevin Smith because of yoga hosers. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. It, the porch scene in Tusk isn't bringing him in no, by the droves. It's like, not. It's, it's not. It's, I, and it's a real and preaching I think, to the and choir also, like, situation. Just while we're on the topic, like Red State had the exact opposite ending. If it had, that it should have had. If it, if, if the fucking apocalypse had happened at the end of Red State, I would right. still be telling you I love that movie. Right. Right. I get it. I get it. And if he had, again, just, Kevin Smith is like the uh, a living example of sometimes like listen to the people that are giving you feedback. They're not all your enemies. Sometimes Correct. they're your friends and they want to see you grow. You know, that's Correct. that's that's the point I'm making. Correct. All right. Well, speaking of ending with the apocalypse, uh, Scott, what is the fifth and final film on your top five of 1994? Um. Okay, so right before we went on air, I discovered that this is kind of a cheat. Because it's a little bit of a cheat. Yes. Yeah, this uh, the the movie is In the Mouth of Madness by John Carpenter. Kane's writing has been known to have an effect on his readers. Whatever he writes. For years, I thought I was making all this up. Whatever he thinks. Do you read Sutter Kane? 
becomes real. It's about people turning into things. This is not reality. It's all happening for real, Trent. The best film in John Carpenter's career, In the Mouth of Madness. I like the book? I love it. Rated R. Released in Italy, I believe, in 94. Yes, yes, uh, But didn't premiere in the United States until very early 95, so I'm kind of cheating here, but... You know, uh, we we bleed red, white, and blue on this show. Um, we only believe in American release dates, but I I was so eager to hear what you had to say about this movie that uh very that, well. that we got the you know we, we got the we summoned together the overlords who look a lot we like got a waiver. <laughs> we, they look a lot like you know the 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 judges in um the the Passion of Joan of Arc, um and we decided that we were going to let this one slide. So so very please well. tell us uh why you like in the mouth of madness so very much um i'm a i'm a very big fan of hp lovecraft not so much his politics or <laughs> sure you know his 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 cat or you know <laughs> any any of the other things that we might you know enumerate about yeah howard phillips lovecraft but um i love his writing and i'm a particularly big fan of cosmic horror Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, in in my opinion, one of the most difficult uh, literary types of horror to translate to the screen. Totally. Um, you've seen a bazillion examples of this, and I promise you, even if you've seen all of them, you've only seen about five good uh, versions of it. It's mm-hmm. it's there, there's something that. Uh, evades most filmmakers and i think john carpenter really nails the uh nightmare logic oh yes of a of a carpenter story you know the scene where like sam neill's in the hotel lobby and he's talking to the old lady and there's like a guy behind the counter like you know there's a guy behind the counter and she's kicking him and you're like what the fuck is happening Mm -hmm. here and then ultimately it reveals that yes there is a guy behind the counter and she's you know, it doesn't explain. It's yeah. just like there's yeah. here's a really dark thing that's going on just over here in the margins of this scene. And don't worry about that. Like yeah. that. That's that is pure cosmic horror. Yeah. Um, no, that that I, that fever dream sense is really. Yes, it's it's established early on too. like I the, the moment when I sort of sat up because I realized the movie was doing something interesting is the scene so early where Sam Neill and Bernie Casey are sitting at the booth and the guy yes. is coming at them through the window and it seems like he's coming at them forever. And it is that weird way that like time before something bad is going to happen elongates in a nightmare. Totally. Um, f- fucking blew my mind. This was, this was my one first time watch of this episode. I had not seen in the mouth of madness before like two nights ago. And Oh from- really? Yeah. And I what did you well, what did you think? I mean, you know, I it's not like 80s carpenter level great, but it's right, pretty right, right, right. but it's For pretty sure. fucking good. Yeah, this isn't even in my top 5 of carpenter movies. Sure. You know, um it, there's I I have plenty of notes for uh to use this term again, I'm sorry. Sure. Um uh for in the mouth of madness, but that it's able to capture that Mm-hmm. is a is a true rarity in mm-hmm. cinema and so for that alone I, I i would pull it into this conversation all right scott well thank you so much for that excellent top five some real bangers in there uh let's find out what films were winning trophies and making money here's awards and box office sell out with me oh yeah sell out 
Fuck, we're gonna talk about Forrest Gump again. <laughs> <laughs> you just did, buddy. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> best picture, best director to Robert Zemeckis, best actor to Tom Hanks, and best adapted screenplay to Eric Roth for Forrest Gump. Uh, Scott, where do you where do you land on on Forrest Gump? Not as good as Pulp I don't, Fiction I don't, is, is where he's respect, landed since I, that summer. Yeah, I respect. I, I think that Zemeckis, Zemeckis is another filmmaker that I think has kind of lost the plot. Yep. Um, oh, and big I time. think at this point, and I think at this point in his career, he's still got it. Um, I think Forrest Gump is a beautifully manufactured movie, mm. but I, I I think it ultimately rings hollow to me mm. and. Um, even when I saw it as a kid, anytime I've seen it since, uh, it doesn't it doesn't pull on my heartstrings in any real way. It feels like a like seeing a bunch of Olive Garden waiters sing "Happy Birthday" to a table. Like it's it's like that level of emotionality. Um, it, it's just truly hollow. Um, but uh, it's gorgeously shot. It's very well acted. You know, there's some really cool effects in there. Uh, I appreciate how diverse the, the settings are within the movie. Also, I read that book and that book is hot, wet shit. <laughs> um, so like the, the fact that they made that movie out of that book, right. like I got to give it props for that. Um, yeah. But no, like you'll never catch me being like, you guys want to watch Forrest Gump? Right. Never going to have the boys over to watch Gump. Right. Um, I was going to, give do a little bit of a Forrest Gump defense but I'm the 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 Olive Garden line I can't I can't top that so we're gonna keep on moving thank you best actress went to Jessica Lange for Blue Sky movie I didn't see in 94 and still have not seen neither of I. all right best supporting actor to Martin Landau for Ed Wood oh one of something from Ed Wood got a goddamn Oscar what three good. good one of three good tim burton movies is it three, it's his best three? movie it There's is no it's, it's handily even, his best movie yeah yes yeah. not even up for debate yeah yeah great and movie, i love great performance. i love yeah the other day like a, an argument broke out on well not really an argument we were we were trying to determine on the fangoria slack mm-hmm. where the we were trying to pinpoint the exact movie where tim burton went off the rails sure and if you go and look it is in fact planet of the apes Mm-hmm. Like the, there is a before apes and yep. an after apes and yep. it's a clear demarcation line. Mm-hmm. Um, everything before that I like. And uh, Ed Wood is one, just one of my favorite fucking movies. So yeah, no, it's great. I, w- I will say this though. Um, most of Tim Burton's movies that are good are good because he made them with somebody who really knew what the fuck they were doing. Like, you know, like Pee Wee's Big Adventure is mostly great because of Paul Rubens. And this is mostly great because of Larry and Scott's script. And anyway, okay. Maybe, but he still made them. <laughs> he sure so did. He I sure gotta, did. I gotta give Fair. I didn't make those movies, he, you know. Correct. Best Supporting Actress went to Diane Weist for Bullets Over Broadway. I love Bullets Over Broadway. Uh, one of my favorite uh late period films by a filmmaker we don't have to talk about much more than that um and she's fantastic in it it's such a funny uh oh, it's a great performance i'm sorry scott uh, thoughts on bullets over broadway i haven't seen it but okay. i but um i will say that there are a, a number of early woody allen movies that i that i really like yep um 
kind of from this era though mm-hmm. like just because i'm never gonna get no one's ever gonna ask me about this particular era of woody allen again mm-hmm. and uh to give it a shout out to anyone that's like oh, wow fuck I, I guess i can't tell people to go watch a woody allen movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah you um, can't. i mean you know well just steal it or whatever well here's my my hot take is um uh I, I liked everybody says I love you. It's great. Or everyone says I love you. It's yeah, great. I think it's I, I think it's really good. It and, is. Uh, uh, I re- I remember I remember it was not well reviewed at the time. Um, but uh, it's very charming. I think that's a couple of years. What is that? Ninety seven? Maybe that was ninety. That was his ninety six. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I like that one. Yep. And best original screenplay went to Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery for Pulp Fiction. Once you yes. know. The, the best original screenplay uh, nomination or award is often the consolation prize, but I'm glad they at least got that. It was, yeah. that was really, Agreed. that was a, I remember watching that year's Oscars, knowing Forrest Gump was going to win everything, knowing Martin Landau was going to win supporting actor, but still like pretty sure this was going to win that and being really, really happy when it did. They're both so excited. Oh God. Yeah. I remember it very clearly. Yeah. I was watching it too. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the year that Letterman hosted too. Which yeah. uh, I'm right. Oprah, yeah, ride or die for Letterman uh, hosting <laughs> yeah. the Oscars. Should have done it 30 Agreed. more times. All right, what else won awards, Mike? Golden Globe for Best Actor, Comedy, Musical went to Hugh Grant. BAFTA for Best Picture, Best Director to Mike Newell, Best Actor to Hugh Grant, Best Supporting Actress to Chris and Scott Thomas. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Lovely movie. Never, never saw it. It's a lovely movie. Andy McDowell is not good in it, but uh, lovely movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh. <laughs> BAFTA for Best Adapted Screenplay went to Paul Adnazio for Quiz Show. Quiz Show is good. Quiz Show is Never a, saw it. a really good 94 movie. That It was one of the five Best Picture nominees, but like, it's just this fucking year it was going to get sort of sort of buried. But Quiz Show is well yeah. worth well worth a look. I, maybe I should watch that one now. I bet I would appreciate it. I had no interest then, but sure. I'd be interested to see it now. I, I dare say I think my favorite Redford directing is uh is, really? is quiz show yeah yeah it's really fucking that's good. interesting yeah golden globe for best picture comedy musical went to the lion king hey remember the lion king <laughs> would you believe i've never seen the lion king? i would because you were 13 and why would you have fucking seen the lion king but i i saw a i saw a ton of like when i was a kid i was an artist yeah uh-huh. like i drew a lot and yeah. everyone just assumed that i was going to grow up to be an artist and then when I got to about college age, I just stopped uh-huh. like completely and decided I wanted to, to, to write and communicate in other ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there was, I like when I was a kid, I went with my mom and I saw, I saw Aladdin. I saw little mermaid. I saw, I saw all that shit. And I loved those movies very dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it is kind of weird that I never saw this one, but I guess, I mean, this is the same year where I was like angling to go to Pulp Fiction. I was probably beyond that. Yeah. Aladdin would have been your cutoff because that that was the last Disney animated feature before this one. So, yeah. All right. There you have it. That makes sense. Yep. Golden Globe for Best Actress Comedy Musical went to Jamie Lee Curtis for True Lies. I didn't remember this. I didn't know this until we were prepping this show. And like sometimes, man, Wampler. As we've been doing this show, people clown the Golden Globes, and for many good reasons. Yeah. But, but occasionally, they fucking get it. 
And yeah. uh, bravo to them for giving Jamie Lee Curtis her flowers at the time for True Lies. Yeah. Yeah. What do yeah. you think of that motion picture itself? I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I hope that Gen Z does not watch it or <laughs> write anything about it. Um, like last year, I do, I do a group vacation with a bunch of, you know, it's it's largely people I, I know from Twitter or, you know, the online world that I don't get to see them. And we go on a, a weekly or excuse me, a yearly uh, vacation somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, usually to a, like a lake or something. We'll rent a big house and just get fucked up for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the last time we watched True Lies. How'd that go? And we were, we, were, we were all fucking psyched to watch it, right? And, and we all still love it, but watching it now is quite an experience uh-huh. because you're like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> like they would kill this movie if they find out about it so yeah. if anyone is listening to this that's you know if you identify as gen z don't watch this movie don't tell yeah. your pa- your your pals about it or whatever <laughs> you know there's a sex scene in it and it's it's very unnecessary and you there should run go. away there we go <laughs> there we have it leave it to the old sag award for best actress went to jody foster for nell which i still have never seen that is like nope that is just the clips in the trailer. It's like, has anyone ever yeah. <laughs> vied for an Oscar that hard? The, right. the, it's I, like I remember you dragging just, Nell at the time with my friends. Like, she ooh, has, she, ooh, la, ooh, la. Trey and Wayne. Like, you already have two Oscars, Jody. You don't have to do Oscar bait trash. Um, okay, Mike, what did the uh, box office top 10 look like for 94? Num- number 10, Clear and Present Danger. Good movie. Haven't seen it in a very long time. Good movie. Number nine, Interview with a Vampire. Hey. Like yeah. Like it a lot. Yeah. Number eight, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Sure. Never seen. Number seven, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> love it. It's a good-ass movie, it's Stupidest dude. fucking thing hilarious. I've ever seen. I love it. <laughs> sure it. Exactly. Although it's it, it's indirectly responsible for Green Book, so I got to shave a couple of points off for that. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Number six, that's The true. Flintstones. Sucked. Yeah. Sucked so bad. No Flintstones movie with John Goodman as Fred Flintstone should be as dull and unfunny as that one is. Number five, Speed. Ah, fucking rips. That movie was a very big deal. Yeah, yeah. It might have been five on the top ten, but it was number one on the MTV (laughs) News or whatever you want to call it. Yes. God, I love that movie. Still works, too. Number four, The Mask. The Mask. I had such a fucking crush on Sandra Bullock at that age. Oh, my God. So crushable in that movie. Sorry, Mike. What was number four? Number four, The Mask. Speaking of crushes, Cameron Diaz in The Mask. Uh, that's an you awakening. said that I thought you were going to say Jim Carrey in the mask. I like, mean, you know, Cuban Pete doing it for you, handsome like, man. I, for, I forgot man. Cameron Diaz was in that. She moment sure, that was her. That was her big, big debut. The mask it was. That's true. The that's mask true. is. I remember liking the mask in '94. I I can't imagine I'll ever watch it again. But it was fun. I bet that mm-hmm. one does not hold up. I mm-hmm. bet if you went back and watch, and not like effects wise, sure, I mean sure, like sure. quality wise, sure. I, I think. That's I'm happy leaving that one in my memory. I like that movie as I remember it. There you go. <laughs> number three, True Lies. Number yep. two, Forrest Gump. And Correct. number one, The Lion King. Yeah, people people loved. Uh, they held up the cub and they sang songs, and it was a whole it was a whole thing. You should watch The Lion King sometime, Scott Wampler. You might enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, it's good. You're what good. Are they called Titty and and Pumbu or <laughs> what are they? <laughs> the little muskrat and the, yes. the pig dog or whatever it is timon and pumba yes uh, okay yeah yeah whatever (laughs) yeah very close they seem cool they are cool all right scott you ready to do a lightning round 
<laughs> yeah, sure. All right, Mike's going to put five minutes on the big clock. I'm going to hit you with a whole bunch of 94 titles collected from, as usual, the John Willis Screen World Film Annual. What am I, what am I saying, yes or no? You can say as little or as much, well, just whatever you want to say quickly. Uh, or you can okay. pass if you can right. pass if you have nothing to say. Um, but yeah, just you know, quick quick thought okay. on each. Here we go. Reality bites. Yeah, it's good. Dennis Leary as the ref. Yeah, good. A net good. Brendan Lee as the crow. Unfortunate uh, ending to that story, but uh, you know. The crow is the crow is the crow. Yeah. <laughs> Masterpiece. Love it. Wes Craven's new nightmare. Meh. John Waters serial mom. Yes. Yes. Strong ass. <laughs> Chris Elliott as cabin boy. I fucking love cabin boy. Let me tell you, this is, you know, you're talking about Letterman earlier. I'm from the Letterman school. Yes. Like anything, anything even tangentially related to, to Letterman. If Muji Bar and Sarah Jewel had made a movie, <laughs> I would love that too. Okay, like I, I am, I go way back with Letterman. Nice. Um, yeah, and I, I think that that's like it's a fucking a, a Tim Burton movie that Tim Burton didn't direct. Only it's funnier. Um, lo- love it. Uh, I, I another one I wish were streaming because I think the the youths of today would would find a lot to love about it. Agreed. Martin Short as Clifford. No. And I know a lot of people, a lot of my my colleagues are big time into Clifford. Yeah. I'd never seen it. I tried yeah. to watch it about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Y'all are out of your fucking minds. You saw this when you were kids. You thought it was cool. You thought it was funny. It's a waste of Martin Short and Charles Grodin. And I'm not sorry for saying this. Jim Carrey uh, had a big 94 in addition to the two films we've also mentioned. He kicked off the year with Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Um, one of up there with the hardest I have ever laughed in a movie theater was seeing Ace Ventura on opening night when he's kicking that fucking box up the hallway at the front of the movie. Like I was, I was like having to shield my eyes from the screen to get myself under control, almost pissing my pants. Still very problematic. Gen Z don't watch that movie either. Nope. But, um, you know, at the time. Uh, as was fashionable at the time it was extremely funny and i i think it's still funny two from brendan fraser airheads and the scout never saw the scout airheads yeah real good sitting around getting high watch hoop dreams never got around to it although that that the same guy the guy that made that made a documentary called stevie Mm -hmm. which i think is among the best documentaries i've ever seen and it, it will fuck your world up good to know uh, the Coen Brothers Hudsucker Proxy. Love it. John Dahl had two movies doing a weird HBO to theatrical run, both Neo Noirs, Red Rock West, and The Last Seduction. I never saw either of them. Great. I, I, I had HBO at this age, and they were <laughs> on every 10 minutes. Um, and I knew they were horny. <laughs> they and are. still... You know, I used to, when the HBO guide used to come to my house every month, I would mm-hmm. look through to see which ones were the horniest because mm-hmm. it would show you like SC for strong sexual yes. content. Yes. Gentlemen, I was extremely, extremely <laughs> horny yes. at that age and, sure. and still am. But 
you know, here is a way I could plan for it. And I had to do it while my parents were out of the room. Still, somehow, I never got around to those movies. And I'm, I probably, I don't know. Should I watch them now? Yes. They're both really, really okay, good. Okay, cool. They're both really okay, good. Okay, work. Speaking work. of horny, Bruce Willis in Color of Night. Absolute trash. I love it. Speaking of deeply unerotic, Gary Marshall's Exit to Eden. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, dominatrix Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Um, you know, I like a little slap and tickle. I'm not into this. Uh, and like, what an ill-advised disaster. I think, you know, when uh, something I talk about a lot on social media is my love of ill-advised cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, 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 the very crucial difference between ill-advised cinema and just bad movies is ill-advised cinema. Those movies never had a chance. They yeah. were founded on a faulty idea. Yeah. And exit to Eden from the ground up was <laughs> never going to work under any circumstances. Correct. Therefore masterpiece. Uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah, it's fine. Night of the demons Two. never seen it. Hurricane Billy Friedkin, RIP direct a little picture called blue chips. Never seen it. Arnold Schwarzenegger followed up True Lies with a, a slightly lesser hit called Junior. I have not seen it, but uh, I am in the midst of a, a project with a, a friend of mine who has not seen virtually any Schwarzenegger movie, and oh, she's wow. a huge fan. Okay. And uh, we're calling it The Summer of Arnold, uh-huh. and uh, we're slowly working our way through his filmography. And uh, this is one I'm very excited to see. I'm, I'm, I, I really, I genuinely like Twins. Uh, so I'm curious about Junior. I think it's going to be very bad, and that only makes me more excited. And uh, yeah, so have not seen, but Wilson. And finally, Jack Nicholson in Wolf. Love it. Um, I wish the cocaine energy Wolfman movie that that always needed to exist. Um, I, I love that movie, despite the fact that I don't really like watching it very much. If that makes sense. I I love that it exists more than I actually enjoy the act of watching it. And on that note, we close out that lightning round. Nice work, Scott Wampler. Very well done. Uh, Now we're going to throw it to our friend W. Axel Foley for a quick PSA. Head on over to your favorite podcasting app. Give us a star, a rate, a review. Give us a written review and tell us that you love us because that's what lets people know that we're here. And Scott, the podcast again is the King cast available wherever fine podcasts are heard. Um, and where can people follow you on the social media? Uh, well, I'm still on Twitter. All I right. refuse to call it the other name, uh, under <laughs> at Scott Wampler, RIP. That's all one word. Uh, you can find the King cast at, at King cast 19. Um, yeah, I think that about does it. I mean, I guess if you want to, if you want to give me your money, I would like your money. <laughs> yes, um, there you, so go. you can go to the Patreon and go to patreon.com backslash the Kingcast. Um, but let's be honest, like come check out the show for us. Uh, see if you like what we're doing there and then understand that if you give me money, you will get to hear a way weirder version of that. That is a that is a good sell that I think we're gonna swipe in the very near future. <laughs> um, I am Fun City Cinema on Instagram, Jason Dash Bailey on Blue Sky and Letterboxd, where you can find under my list the top five for each and every episode of this damn show. Mike, 
Where can people find you? I am Brainwashed Lib on Twitter and Fifth Column Films on Blue Sky if I remember to put anything there. And, of course, you can find us on Substack, a very good year.substack.com, where paid subscribers get bonus episodes, bonus writing, and much, much more. Mike, before we go, what is your favorite movie of 1994, sir? That's not already on this top five list? Right. I mean, that's I feel tricky. like we got to... I feel like we got to get a little uh, give a little love to Chunking Express. Like nice. I feel like nice. I watched yeah. that movie probably five or six times before I could read all of it mm-hmm. because I just get lost <laughs> in the shots. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like yeah. in just yeah. sort of the the vibe of it and just the feel and everything. I feel like I understood what it was about mm-hmm. without necessarily reading every line of dialogue. But I just find myself watching that movie. You know. Yeah. When it's on, I, I just, that movie is so fucking good. Yeah. And it was also one of the sort of, um, it was one of the earlier, you know, like movies that was not just sort of like a foreign film, but was f- from sort of a whole other film universe. Yeah. You know, that that really sort of already existed and had its own sort of thing. And, and so it was an entry point for me um, to a great director and to a whole sort of like universe of cinema in a way that like, you know, we got some of the, you know, the big super badass shoot 'em up movies sort of later in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And those are all great too. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Chunking Express is just infinitely watchable. And credit uh, where opinion. due credit where due a movie that a lot of us saw because of Quentin Tarantino. That was the inaugural yep. release of rolling thunder pictures. And I mean, the sort of cult of Quentin was such that like, we were all like, yeah, whatever movie Quentin tells us to watch, we're all going to watch. And we did. And <laughs> and then yeah. we, and then we were into Wong Kar Wai. So like big ups to that. That's what you do with your celebrity when you're a celebrity filmmaker. For real. Yeah. That's exactly right. And you know, that's the path that me and, and everybody I know pretty much mm-hmm. uh, went on with that movie, yeah. you know, and it just, uh, you know, he, he, he has some, he has some bangers in his back pocket as far sure as does. recommendations go. Sure does. Yep. How about you, Jason? I mean, you know, Pulp Fiction is a film that I wrote an entire ass book about, so I won't take these last couple of <laughs> minutes to talk about it, but you can pick that book up. Uh, it's out of print, but you can get a Kindle version for for, for just a few bucks. Um, so I am going to go to uh, a movie that uh, has become part of my online personality, which is Ron Howard's The Paper. Uh, came out yes. came out in May of 94. I saw it opening weekend. I've seen it a gajillion times since. If you like Michael Keaton, this to me is maybe the quintessential Michael Keaton performance. A guy who thinks fast, talks faster, plays the editor, the 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 uh, or one of the editors of a New York tabloid newspaper. It was written by the Kep brothers who came from that world. There's just a a newsroom authenticity to this movie that just that just wafts off the screen but it's funny and it's fast the ensemble cast is tremendous it's him it's glenn close it's marissa tomei it's raw it's fucking duvall like as a crusty editor-in-chief like what else do you want from a movie and randy quaid before he went crazy the paper fucking rules track it down if you can that is my shawshank the paper Forrest Gump this is a huge year for dad movies it sure is and I have only <laughs> leaned into my paper love as I have become a middle aged dad uh, thank you again Scott for coming on the show absolutely my pleasure thank you Mike thank you Jason and thank you for listening it sweet and clear it was a very 